You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. It is never pleasant to talk IU hoops the day after the Hoosiers fall to Purdue, but here we are. And there's a lot to discuss. The Hoosiers have now dropped four out of five, and any hopes of an NCAA tournament berth, which once seemed like an absolute certainty, slip away with each successive loss. And now we are left to wonder, can the Hoosiers turn things around before it's too late? They're certainly running out of time because it got late awfully early here in 2017. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here to discuss all of this and more with you and with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live immediately after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. And if you can't listen live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts and you will find us. Well, I will begin this week's show as we begin every post-game show and every episode of Assembly Call Radio, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And the banner moment for me, looking back on a week when Indiana lost two games, were really a number of strong defensive possessions, which is something that we haven't seen a ton of this year. And Indiana really did turn in two straight strong defensive efforts, given the context and given how Indiana has played defensively this season. Because overall, Indiana is 13th in the Big Ten in defense, giving up more than 1.1 points per possession. But Indiana held Purdue to 1.01 points per possession and held Wisconsin to 1.03 points per possession. And neither team broke 70 on Indiana, which I don't think that a lot of people would have expected, given that Purdue is second in the Big Ten in scoring and Wisconsin is fifth. And so for the Hoosiers to hold each of those teams below their season average shows real progress on the defensive side of the ball for Indiana and perhaps the defensive identity that we thought this team might have before the season is starting to come around. And the fact is, it may be too little, too late, and unfortunately the offense has slumped right as the defense has improved, but any late-season turnaround for Indiana is going to have to include strong defensive performances. So if nothing else, these last two games are at least a step in the right direction as far as the defense goes. All righty, well, let me introduce you to my esteemed co-host. To my left, we have the host of Bracketology.fm and the world's number one ranked bracketologist, according to Bracketmatrix.com. And after last night, he is also the still proud, but perhaps a little disappointed president of the Robert Johnson fan club. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, welcome. What is your Bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Well, it's funny. I think you and I were uh, thinking of things in in a similar way. I mean, as I look back, uh, even when you go back and include the Penn State game, um, the last three performances for IU defensively on a points per possession basis are three of their four best uh, in conference play so far this season. Um, the other one being against Rutgers. The problem is that, uh, particularly in the uh, in the Wisconsin and Purdue games this past week, those are also two of the three worst uh, offensive form- performances in terms of uh, points for possession. So it's kind of been a weird shift 
uh, in this team, it seems like over the course of the season that initially was so strong offensively, couldn't guard anybody. Uh, now they seem to have figured some things out defensively, look more crisp in their rotations and, and seem to just have a better idea of what they're doing. And then they can't put the ball in the basket. And, you know, as we talked about on the, uh, on the post game show of the Purdue game, uh, you know, this team, given the injuries and everything else, the stars have to be stars uh, and the struggles uh, in that Purdue game of Robert Johnson and, and James Blackman Jr. I think that this team just, no matter how good they play defensively, this team just isn't equipped to overcome those uh, at this point. And, and so those guys both really struggled uh, from the floor, one of 13 combined from three-point range, uh, and and this or two of 13. And this, and this team's just not going to be able to beat quality opponents when um, the guys that need the most uh, are unable to play well. And so if things are going to be salvaged here over these final six games of the season, I think you need to look no further than the performances of, of Blackman, Johnson, and uh, Thomas Bryant, who continues his strong play to, to figure out what and, and if this team uh, can get it together and get to the NCAA tournament. And to my right, we have a man who has never given up a 28-3 to lead in a Super Bowl, a columnist for TheBigLead.com, and someone who so desperately wishes he could have seen Gene Cady and Bob Knight's reaction to last night's egregious double foul call that removed the two best players on the court from the game. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, welcome. What is your rant from the past week in IU basketball? I just want to clarify, nobody has given up a 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl, other than the Atlanta Falcons. So, you know, that's not really, can't really add that to my list of accomplishments. Uh, I mean, you can put it there on my resume if you want, but that's on you. Uh, you know, I think, I think I'm just disappointed. I think, um, I think everybody is a little bit. I, I, because, and, and not because the team didn't play well, but because they did play well and had a chance to win both those games and couldn't do it. Um, I think we've seen the best of Thomas Bryan over the last few weeks. I think that's sort of a consensus that's developing is he's finally turned into, you know, the all American type player. We hoped he would be all year. And in some sense, it's, it's great to see in the other, you know, <laughs> sense it's sad because it, we, a lot of us believe he should have been playing that way all season, but we've seen the best of him and, and offensively we've sort of seen the worst of some other guys. And so it's just, this team is just completely snake bit and can't get everybody working on the same page at the same time. I agree with both you guys. I think the defense has stepped up to a, a, a much higher level and uh, they're certainly going to need that over the next couple of weeks. Uh, if they're going to make the NCAA tournament, not only make the NCAA tournament, but try and climb up the big 10 standings and get a better seed. Um, this is a team that's banged up from top to bottom. Guys are injured. Guys are playing hurt. Uh, guys are out for the season, you know, and, and so other guys have had to step up that you weren't going to rely on a guy like Freddie McSwain, I mean, you know, I rarely does a guy score four or six points and you you're praising him after a game. But he's he's a guy who's stepped up with his energy and and really helping out. The problem is he can only give you so much. And, and so you just don't have one for one replacements for the guys you've lost and for the uh, for the guys who were injured. So it, it's just been a rough couple days for for Indiana fans, especially because, again, it's not like they got blown out by Wisconsin and Purdue. They were in those games. They had a real chance to win both of them and, and just couldn't do it. So it's disapp- it's a disappointing feeling right now. Uh, but, you know, there are opportunities here for Indiana to get back into it if they can, you know, sort of put everything together, which we really haven't seen them do this year in a long time. Now it's been more of the whack-a-mole basketball. You know, you fix one issue and then another one pops up. And as soon as you get that one fixed, then something that you could count on before isn't going well. And that's kind of been the story of Indiana's season. 
All right, well, we know that everybody watched IU's game against Purdue last night, and we spent over an hour breaking it down on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, so we're not going to spend a lot of time here on this episode of Assembly Call Radio dissecting it a lot more. If you want in-depth coverage of that game, uh, please listen to the podcast of the postgame show. Instead, we want to spend some time in this edition looking at the big picture, where Indiana is, where they go from here, and what the rest of this season and, and possibly even beyond is likely to look like. And so we'll start with you know kind of a sobering but realistic assessment of where the Hoosiers stand right now. And then we're actually going to imagine what it will take for Indiana to salvage something from this quickly collapsing season because there is a scenario when Indiana kind of gets back in this thing and salvages something. So what would that look like? Uh, we also want to talk a little bit about what's up with Indiana's freshman guards whose development really seems to have stunned here uh, lately. And then we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time looking ahead to Sunday's matchup against Michigan and possibly the matchup after that uh, at, at Minnesota, which are the next in now a line of must-win games uh, coming up on Indiana's schedule. All of that on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. Uh, first, I do want to take a quick second and tell you about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com, because if you consider yourself a Hoosier and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. In fact, we like their product so much that we moved production of our Assembly Call logo T-shirts to Hoosier Proud because they produce high quality work, care about their customers, and take pride in their Indiana roots like we do. They actually just added a new zip-up hoodie with our Assembly Call logo on it, which we like. And they have some other really cool shirts there, too, like a really neat Abe Lincoln uh, t-shirt, which is great for celebrating Abraham Lincoln's birthday, which is coming up here, I believe, on February 12th. So a lot of really cool options there. Go to HoosierProud.com, check them out, and when you're there, use the promo code AC to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code AC to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips talking IU basketball. And Andy, let's kick things off with that sobering but realistic look at where Indiana is right now. The Hoosiers are 5-7 and seven in the conference, 15-10 and 10 overall. And obviously, the big question from here until Selection Sunday is going to be, you know, are the Hoosiers even on the bubble? And if they are on the bubble, what do they need to do to get off of it and get themselves somehow, some way into the NCAA tournament? Where do things stand right now? Uh, I think if if the tournament were to start tomorrow, uh, I still think that IU would probably be in. And I know that that probably is surprising to a lot of people given how this team has played, but uh, I think a couple of things work in their favor in that scenario. One is, uh, you know, earlier in the season games don't get any different weight than more recent games. So even though uh, IU is, you know, five and eight in the last 13 games, that doesn't really matter any more than them being 10 and two early. So those, you know, Kansas, North Carolina wins hold up really well. Not a lot of teams can compete with that. Uh, the problem becomes as you start to kind of spin that forward and say, where does this team need to get? Um, I find it hard to believe that in a down Big Ten a sub-500 team would get there, particularly one uh, like IU that hasn't played well, that's missing you know, one of the players who was present in, in those bigger wins uh, in OG and Anobi. And, and so uh, I, I find it really hard to believe uh, that they would be able to do that. It would also mean they would end up with uh, likely 14 losses, so that would entail losing at least three more conference games, uh, assuming they don't win the Big Ten tournament, in which case you know, everything is a, a moot point. Um, they would end up with 14 losses, and there's a uh, recent history that 14 losses is not going to get you in 
uh, at this point. And, and I don't see this team having a strong enough resume to really overcome that. Uh, the other thing really working against them is they're right now they're under 500 against the, uh, the top 200 of the RPI. And that ties back a little bit to the scheduling uh, component and IPFW has continued to play poorly as the season has gone on. And that hasn't helped make that look uh, any different than it did before. So from my perspective, um, they need to find a way to go four and two in these last uh, in these last six games, which is going to include uh, at least two road wins for that. If they're not going to lose any more at home, and um, that's another current blemish on their profile that they've only got one true road win. So it would address that issue. It would also get them some wins, and uh, really just becomes a matter of whether they can find a way to go four and two down the stretch. Hey Andy, quick question for you on the North Carolina win because Theo Pinson didn't play in that game. Is that at all going to be held against Indiana when assessing the quality of that victory? Uh, no, no I, I tend to think, uh, I mean, the, the committee will be aware of it, but I don't know if that really gets held uh, against them. And while he has proven to be a fairly important, uh, you know, guy to them as he's been back, he's also been in and out of a lot of their games. And I think his just kind of, he was back, you know, last night against Duke, I know, but, you know, ongoing, I don't know um, what his status will, uh, will really be. So I don't think it's a, a huge factor, something they'll take into account, but uh, also not a guy who tends to score a ton of points. So I, I don't think a huge deal. And let me underscore something here, Andy, because you said, you know, if the tournament were held today, you know, given Indiana's resume today, and the problem is now projecting it forward with the difficult schedule Indiana has, you know, what we would project based on what Indiana has done, you know, that's going to make it really hard for them to get in. I mean, they're basically going to have to now outperform even reasonable expectations for going down the stretch to maintain that current status, right? Yeah, I think that's where, you know, if you ask me to spin it forward and, you know, when I do the projections there as of, you know, if the season ended today, if you ask me to, you know, do that and say if the season ends, um, given how this team has played, the thought of winning, you know, four of six games in a stretch, which they haven't done in quite some time, um, you know, it, it becomes uh, really challenging the way they've played away from home, even though a lot of the losses have been close they've got to, have, got to find a way to get over the hump. There, there just isn't a scenario that I could see that they finish 8-10 and 10 or, or certainly any worse in the Big Ten and, and are still able to get in. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to continue this discussion here coming up on the Assembly Call. Ryan had some great points on our post-game show that I'd like for him to talk about here as well. Uh, all of that coming up next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, here talking IU hoops with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And Andy just gave us you know, a sobering look at where, where Indiana is um, as we consider where the rest of the season can go. And Ryan, I want to spend some time discussing you know, how Indiana got here and what expectations should be moving forward. I mean, maybe it's no longer fair to expect this team to make the NCAA tournament, or maybe it's ridiculous to, you know, have a floating standard and allow injuries and some of the other external things to be an excuse for the way this team has played. I think, you know, you talk with Indiana fans and everybody kind of falls on a little bit of a different place on this spectrum. How do you view right now where Indiana is and what is now reasonable to expect for this team moving forward? forward well I, I think it's fair to let the injuries have some kind of impact you got to remember that this team prepared to have both Colin Hartman and OG Ananobi play huge roles this year and both guys are out for the season now 
you've got to adjust to that, obviously. But I also think it's fans. You have to adjust your expectations. I mean, Hartman was the only senior and a guy who cleans up, as I said on the postgame show, he cleans up a lot of issues on both ends, you know, because of just his all-around court game. Um, and then you've, you're, you're missing a lottery pick in OG Ananobi. Um, that has to change what you expect out of this team, because those two guys can do things that nobody else on the team does. Um, when you throw in the fact that James Blackman jr has been hurt, uh, both of the freshman guards have, have been hurt at various times, hurt or sick, or, you know, had their development thrown off. Uh, you've got Deron Davis now. I don't know. I mean, he got smacked in the face last night and looked woozy. I'm sure he'll be back, but you know, he's, been injured before this year and of course then you've got Juwan Morgan who's missed time with an injury I mean it's and he's clearly not 100% um, I, I'm not and, and I think people thought that I was using this as an excuse last night I was not what I was saying or uh, Thursday night I'm sorry uh, what I was saying was um, I, I don't know it's just you have to readjust your expectations uh, you ha- and and this team isn't going to do what it set out to do at the beginning of the year because it's missing key pieces and and I think that it, while guys have to step up and guys have to play better and coaches have to coach better and everybody has to you know make something out of this uh, it, it is this isn't the team that beat North Carolina this isn't the team that beat Kansas and the reason why isn't just because it hasn't played well. They're also missing some guys who could take it to that level. So I I think that when they play well and lose against Wisconsin and Purdue, that's probably their level right now. Now, do they need to get better and can they get better and elevate their game? Yeah, of course. But, you know, to play close against top 25 teams, considering what they're missing, I don't think is a, is I mean, if we're being realistic, I don't think it should be a huge disappointment. Uh, it's disappointing to lose at home. It's disappointing to lose a close game and not be able to close it out. But if you're looking at pure talent level and what this team can achieve uh, as it's constructed right now and the, the way it's playing right now, that's about what should be expected. Now, let me ask you something. Go ahead. Let, me, let me frame it to you this way, because I think everybody will agree that when you have injuries like to Hartman and to, and to, to OG Ananobi, OK, maybe your ceiling as an NCAA title contender is no sure. longer there. But I think there is a difference between floating expectations, you know, based on who's healthy and then floating standards for how the team should play and, and what we can expect, at least from, you know, guys improving and issues getting better over the course of a season. That to me is where Indiana fans get really frustrated because the team wasn't playing well even before OG sure. got hurt. The issues with the Fishers, they were already there. And we're, we're continuing to see them. Now, again, the defense improvement has been nice over the last couple of games. But, you know, you still have a couple McDonald's All-Americans who, who have played. You know, James Blackman Jr., Thomas Bryant. You know, you have other four-star recruits and top 100 guys there. I mean, this is still a roster that it feels like should be able to outperform the poor level of play that we've seen. And we no, keep I, seeing I, the same issues. And so I, I just think it's a difference between expectations and standards. Um, and it's, and, and I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, you know, like what happened at Michigan, unacceptable, completely unacceptable from everyone involved. Uh, the way they played at Northwestern unacceptable from everybody involved. Um, but you know, I think that if if you're really that upset about the Wisconsin and Purdue games, you're probably, your expectations are a little high. Um, and, and, and you got to remember while before Ananobi went out, 
they weren't playing great and they were up and down. They had about five games in a row where they actually started to look like they were rounding into form. Uh, and then he went out against Penn State. They did beat Michigan State. But after that, there was a steep drop off for two games uh, against Michigan and Northwestern. And and again, it's just hard to replace guys who can do things that nobody else can. It's the same about missing Troy Williams this year. When this that team needed a bucket last year, Troy was fearless going to the hoop and nobody else would do that except for Yogi. Now you can't, and you can't replace that. And, and there's no one for one replacement. As far as Yogi is concerned, there's no pure point guard on this team that can also score and get you a bucket when you need it. And you're missing the, the um, you know, the leadership and all that stuff. So you're, I'm just saying that, when you're in season or preseason, you can't replace those guys immediately and guys need to step up and you've seen guys not be able to step up and, and it's easier for guys to step up when they're veterans, but this is a very young team and guys just aren't stepping up to fill those roles. And I don't know if we should expect them to, I, I wish they would. And I certainly am disappointed that nobody has, but I don't know if it's something where it's just, that's just an Indiana fan wanting to be a fan and, and, balancing that with being realistic for what this roster is and who these guys are and what they're trying to replace. You're listening to the assembly call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy bottoms. Andy, where do you fall on this? Well, I think it's funny what Ryan said about the, you know, Wisconsin, these last couple of games, the Wisconsin and Purdue games where they have played better and people are frustrated. They lost it. It does seem uh, it's a weird kind of mental exercise to say, all right, well, am I upset about these, or these, these losses because they did play better and they made improvements at the same time, you could look at it as, okay, if you can play well against two of the, the two best teams in the big 10 for, in my estimation with the personnel that you have, which is obviously depleted, it to some degree makes the earlier losses that much more frustrating when you were at full strength. So, and I completely like kind of beating yourself up on two different fronts where you're saying like, well, it stinks to lose these games. And Oh, by the way, how in the world, uh, could a team play like this when they're shorthanded and then play so poorly when everybody's healthy? No, and I completely agree with that. That is a completely understandable reaction from Indiana fans. Uh, they, the, as I said, Michigan and Northwestern, those were completely unacceptable efforts and might have sunk the season. I mean, quite frankly, because those were two games that two road games that were very winnable. So, yeah, and I, and I, and I, think, the, and I think the other thing is kind of what you touched on, Jared, is, is the kind of somewhat familiar pattern that that some of these games have taken on and I think the Wisconsin and Purdue games were very similar in that regard where they really played well enough to win put themselves in position and down the stretch they just couldn't execute and couldn't make even at times very simple plays a block out of you know not turning the ball over all those kinds of things I think that's where the other part of the frustration comes in and and that's been a, a pattern for this team over the course of the year I think I said last night on the show you know they're two and five uh, in games decided by five points or less. One of those wins, if you'll remember, is the Penn State game on the road, which was anything but solid execution down the stretch. So, you know, you could very easily be one and six in those types of games uh, and with the only win coming in the season opener against Kansas. So I think those are the kinds of the, the repeat issues and, um, and and those kinds of things are, are really, I would say, if I'm, you know, projecting my frustrations onto other fans, I guess, the uh, you know, kind of where I would see things fall out. Ryan, I want to get your thoughts on this. I think the other problem that I'm having, look, I, I consider myself a pretty reasonable fan. I mean, I always try and give the team and the players and the coaches the benefit of the doubt and try and find the positive. You know that. And 
Look, the injuries have had an impact on this season. There is no question. It is hard to coach and to play with guys missing time, and it's hard to get in rhythm. And there, I mean, there's so many things that injuries impact. There's no question. But I also think from a fan perspective, I feel like we've heard so much about the injuries from the coach himself. And I'm trying to, to wonder, am I being too hard on him? Is it an unfair expectation? But I feel you know, like last night I listened to, to the post game, and I feel like that's the first thing he always talks about is the injuries, kind of using it almost like a shield as an excuse. At least that's how it comes off. Maybe you guys will feel differently. But I just kind of feel like I would like to at least hear more of a next man up mentality or more of a, hey, we've got the guys that we've that we've got and we're going to go win. Because I wonder if the coach is saying that publicly, if that seeps into the team and if they approach games almost feeling like there's a built in excuse because OG is here and Will James isn't here and these guys are banged up instead of just, hey, we got the guys we've got. Let's go, man, and let's go win. I And I feel like maybe in the Michigan game and in the Northwestern game, you saw some of that, you know, almost a team that didn't have quite that mentality, which we've seen a little more of against Wisconsin and Purdue. And I don't know if I'm being unfair, if that's just an emotional reaction to a rough season. How do you view something like that? Ryan, you first. Yeah, I I, I would agree with you. It can't be an excuse. Everybody's dealing with injuries. I, I And when I talk about it, I'm talking about it for just being realistic for expectations and the expectations in the end are always a final four are always a conference championship. You know, I mean, I know fans that's, you know, the standard you want set. Um, I'm just talking about it from a realistic perspective. You know, you're missing guys who are vitally important to what you were trying to do this year. Um, as far as the coach using an excuse, I think that's the, that's not okay because that's why you recruit, you recruit to have depth, you recruit to have guys who can fill those roles. Um, and so if they don't have the players to do that, that is on the coaches in, in one way. And it's on the players in another for not taking advantage of guys being out and stepping up. A guy like Freddie McSwain. I mean, we expected almost nothing from him this year and give him credit. He stepped up and, and giving the team good minutes. Zach McRoberts, the same thing. Uh, he's stepped up and given the team good minutes and good for them. But at the same time, they're never going to take you to the level of an OG and an OB or a Colin Hartman. They're just not, they're not those guys. Um, but you know, it's on the rest of the players. When James Backlund jr. Went down the, the freshman guard should have stepped up and, and should have seen that opportunity is to, to carve themselves out more playing time. And Devonte green played well a little bit, but you know, he wasn't, he didn't, you know, make you forget about James Blackman. But that's that's the thing is that, you know, you're part of a team when somebody goes down, you got to step up and, and, and the coaches have to, you know, rely on those guys and, and make them know that they have an opportunity. And, you know, that hasn't happened this year. Nobody has, has really stepped into that void. I think that part of that is leadership. We've harped on that all years, a lack of leadership. There's no one internally telling those guys, hey, this is your chance. Do it. And, uh, you know, that, that again, that comes from the coaches and it comes from the players. Andy, I mean, what do you think? Because other teams around the country have suffered injuries, and and some teams have dealt with it better than others. Do you think, I mean, we know Indiana's been dealt a rough hand this year, but do you think they've played it to the best of their abilities, or does that kind of frustrate you too? No, I'm definitely frustrated. I mean, I think you can look at, you know, we've talked about, I think, the Arizona example before, where they, you know, lost a lot of guys with very little notice and and adapted well, have since gotten, you know, Alonzo Trier back and and trying to work through that. But by the same time, you've also seen a Michigan State team lose a couple guys early. They had Miles Bridges out in the middle of the season. They're not setting the world on fire um, by any means. Their Big Ten record is a little bit better than I use. But if you you look at who they've beaten in the league, um, 
you know, they swept Minnesota and they, and they beat Northwestern. So I guess those are you know, maybe better than, than most of the ones that IU has in the week. But they, they still continue to struggle, and that's that's been a problem. I think um, I think what rubs people the wrong way is the, you know, kind of constant reminder that it's a problem and who we had and um, who's not healthy. Because I think anybody who follows the program closely enough to care what the coach says after the game is already well aware of exactly what's going on there. And so um, I think at that point it just – it, it, it just is not doing Crean any favors um, with people by bringing that up because it's just not something that anybody wants to hear about anymore. That they're aware that it's there. And again, I kind of go back to, they found a way to do it in these last couple games. So why, why didn't that start earlier? They found a way to, to get better defensively. Um, why was that such a persistent issue into February of the season? And so I think those are the things that, you know, this team arguably against Wisconsin without Blackman and was kind of at the, the low point from a personnel standpoint, I would say. Um, and they played one of their best defensive games of the year. So if you can, again, kind of goes back to the same argument before, if you can do that with the personnel that you had then, how in the world can you not get uh, more talented and more experienced players to do that uh, earlier in the season? And, and it's been fleeting that it is, you know, whack-a-mole, as you said. So even though the fact that these last three games have been among their best defensively, um, is there any guarantee that on Sunday when you know, they come out and play Michigan that they don't get lit up again? Absolutely not. That wouldn't stun me in the least. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the problem is that the, uh, you know, kind of knowing what to expect on a game-to-game basis, whether it be because of injuries or otherwise, is, is ultimately the frustration. Yeah, you know, I just think you actually do yourself a disservice just from kind of a public relations standpoint to constantly mention the injuries. Because, look, Indiana fans, we're not always the most reasonable lot. I get that as much as we may try. But I've actually found Indiana fans to be really sympathetic to Indiana's injury issues and understanding of, you know, the fact that that does make things a little bit different you know, than what we thought we might have had after that North Carolina game. But I do think the constant reminder and the seeming use of it as kind of a ready-made excuse shield. It, it just, I think it rubs people the wrong way, um, which is unfortunate. Um, but look, you know, bottom line, hopefully Indiana can can start to overcome it a little bit better here as we go down the stretch. And look, that was kind of a dour segment, all right? There's no question about it. That was a little bit negative. So we're going to try in our next segment to liven things up a little bit, and let's take a look at what the scenario would look like if Indiana is able to salvage something of this season. We'll talk about it. We'll break it down. That is coming up next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out over at HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. You can join us live after every IU basketball game over at AssemblyCall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. So, gentlemen, our last segment was a little dour, a little bit negative. We want to go positive with this segment. And let's, uh, let's kind of fast forward. Let's look into the future. Let's look to March 5th, Sunday, March 5th. The Big Ten regular season is over. We've said Indiana, you know, at a minimum now needs to go 4-2 and two to get themselves to 9-9 nine and nine in the conference to, to feel like they have a chance 
you know, heading into the Big Ten tournament and heading into Selection Sunday. So let's assume that they do it. They get four out of six wins. You know, they're, they're able to, to win something on the road, salvage something of the end of this regular season. Andy, assuming that it happens, what's the most realistic way that will look if Indiana is able to accomplish that? Well, I think it starts with the home games. I don't really see a scenario that IU ends up 4-2 and two without beating Michigan and Northwestern. So I think those two are don't really need to talk much more about than that. I would also say the likelihood of winning at Purdue is really slim. So let's say you go 2-1 in one of those games. So that really makes the swing games the trio of Minnesota, Iowa, and Ohio State. And when you look at those, um, you've got a Minnesota team. They started 15-2, and two, lost five straight. They've now won two in a row, uh, one of which came, you know, in double overtime at home against Iowa. So they're playing in close games, not playing all that well. Uh, Iowa is six and six in the league. They've beaten Michigan in overtime. They've swept Rutgers. They did beat Purdue at home, which has really been their their big win. Took care of Ohio State. Took care of Nebraska. So they've done a lot of their damage at home. Uh, a really young team playing a ton of freshmen along with Peter Jock. And then Ohio State as the uh, as the end of the season game. Right now, their same record as IU, fifteen and ten, and, and five and seven. Um, you know, most of their wins have not been by a lot of points, even uh, as recently as this week, barely beat Rutgers at home by six. Uh, and when you look at their upcoming schedule, they've got two tough road games coming up at Maryland, at Michigan State, also play Wisconsin at home. So by the end of the season, that feels like another one. If I was going to take at least one of these on the road, that that would be one of them. They're not going to have a lot to play for. Um, attendance in the part of the Rutgers game against them I watched this week was sparse at best. Um, so I think that's kind of maybe your, your next most likely win. And then it's um, trying to find a way to steal either that Minnesota or Iowa game. I'm not really sure which one uh, seems more likely. I think from a talent standpoint, uh, they probably have a better chance of beating Iowa. Um, but in terms of how Iowa has played more recently, they've been pretty, uh, you know, pretty frisky. I think is the word I used to describe them uh, on the postgame show, and probably probably holds true there. So uh, I think it's stealing one of those, winning at Ohio State for the uh, you know second road win and, and winning the two games at home uh, is how you get there. For what it's worth, uh, according to Ken Palm, he has Indiana predicted to lose 74-70 to Minnesota and win 81-80 uh, over Northwestern uh, with a 51 or, or again over Iowa with a 51% chance to beat Iowa. So for what that's worth, you know, and, and really the challenge there Andy is that, you know, you kind of, you know, brush aside those two home games because you say, well, Indiana has to win those and I agree and, you know, they they should be expected to win those. But you just played both of those teams and lost by a combined 43 points. So obviously playing at home will make a difference. You know, is there anything else? You know, if you look and assume Indiana is going to win those games, what will Indiana have done differently in those games besides showing up and playing with more effort and more competitive spirit to win those games? I mean, I think they've got to be able to maintain what they've done defensively. They just, given the personnel right now, they aren't as explosive offensively. I think you've got guys you know, kind of hitting the wall a little bit from a, a freshman standpoint. Um, you, you've got Robert Johnson, James Blackman not shooting well. Yeah, they're probably going to, you know, they shoot the ball well enough to break out of that. But the defense needs to be, the level it's been these last few games has to be uh, a constant going forward because the reality is if they don't win both those home games, um, I just don't see a scenario in which they would have done, if you, if you didn't play well enough to win those games, how in the world would you play well enough to win enough games on the road to still end up at 4-2? So I definitely don't gloss over those in the sense that I think they're easy wins for IU, but uh, I think if they lose one of those games, it's all but over. All right, Ryan, you're listening to this. How realistic does that sound to you? Do you see another pathway to Indiana getting back to 500 in conference play? They have to win both home games. I think that's 100% assured. Um and then, yeah, I think they got to, I, I agree with Andy. I think they got to take either take a win at the barn, take a win at Iowa. 
Um, I mean, look, if you're looking straight at what this team is capable of, and, and I'm the one who's been down on, on their ceiling and what they're capable of, they could easily go five and one in this stretch. The problem is we easily no, no, no. I'm saying if they play up to their ability, yeah. yeah, And play consistently And if you had waited, (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say the problem is we haven't seen that consistency this year, but if you're just looking at straight talent and what this team can do, physically what it can do um not what i expect it to do necessarily i mean the road game at purdue should be the only one that's that looks like okay yeah they could play their best and lose that game if they play their best in these last six games they could go five and one the question is i mean do i expect that to happen absolutely not um just because we haven't seen consistency from this team they have to win against michigan on sunday they absolutely have to win that game um they have to beat Minnesota or Iowa on the road, preferably both because both teams aren't playing particularly well. And while we know the barn is a crazy environment and it's always a house of horrors and Jared just does not want to talk about it because I think he's going to have nightmares about it. Wait for my Um, bold prediction. Wait for my bold uh, prediction. That's all all I'm going to say. Nice tease. (laughs) Uh, but but then, you know, at Ohio State, I think that's a very winnable game. But I I almost feel like you've got to have it secured before then. You know, I, I think that because that's the last game of the season and, you know, it's a it's a it's a noon game on a on the last day of the season. Crazy stuff can happen. You know, guys that come out flat guys, you know, whatever, when it's when it's an early game like that. So I, I, I almost think they've got to go. They've I, Oh, man, I hate saying this, but they almost got to win the next four games. I mean, I, I, I feel like they do. Um, and I, I just don't know if this team could do it. They're certainly capable of it. But I don't know. I don't know if yeah. they if they can be that consistent and do it. Uh, but I mean, that would, you know, that would it, winning the next four games is the only thing that would make me secure about the NCAA tournament, unless they made a run in the conference tournament, beat a Wisconsin or Purdue in the conference tournament. And as Indiana fans, we all know, do not expect anything out of the conference tournament. I, I love how Indiana fans really just don't even like think of that as a chance to make the NCAA tournament. It's it like, might okay, as well just not exist. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, we're going to take a loss. It's fine. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, just it's fine. Uh, it's a chance, but only for bad things to happen. Right, right. Seriously, I mean, uh, you had your best defensive player get beat to the corner on a three against Michigan last year. Like, what? How does that happen? I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not still bitter about that at no. all. Not at all. Not at all. You're listening to you you're listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Okay, so again, if we're assuming that this happens, I think we all agree the defense has to be better and be more like what we saw against Purdue and against Wisconsin these last couple of games. It's unquestionable that Thomas Bryant has to continue playing offense like he has been playing and that James Blackman Jr. and Robert Johnson need to go back to how they were playing earlier in Big Ten play when they were consistent, you know, they were leading this team, you know, they were doing good things night in, night out. Andy, beyond those things that we just absolutely know have to happen, if Indiana's going to get to 4-2, and two, what else happens? What else emerges? Who else emerges as kind of a rock on which this team can lean if they're going to start playing more con- more consistent basketball? I think it has to be some combination of Juwan Morgan uh, and, and McRoberts and McSwain. I think those guys all in spurts gave good minutes against Purdue. Uh, Juwan Morgan for the first half looked probably as, as good as we've seen him in weeks. And so hopefully that's a performance that he's able to, to build on and, and cut down on the fouls. And uh, as we said, you know, even earlier here, you know, I think McRoberts and McSwain both brought a lot of effort, really elevated the play of other guys just from a, a pure effort standpoint. 
uh, with with how hard they played and, and making some hustle plays and put back baskets and things like that. So I think those guys continue to have to, to play well, particularly uh, if Deron Davis ends up missing any amount of time, which we don't know uh, right now and, and may not know, uh, you know, even heading up toward the toward the Michigan game. But I think those, you know, there has to be some front court stability, and those are uh, essentially the last men standing to provide it outside top front. All right, so Ryan, over to you. I mean, let's say that Indiana does win the next four games, as you've said they need to do. What does that look like? Who, what else emerges? First of all, we've got to look at the fact that before the season, the front court depth was a huge uh, plus for Indiana with with Hartman, uh, Morgan, Ananobi, Bryant, Deron Davis. I mean, now we're looking at it, and you're saying, "Geez, there's only Deron Davis and and, uh, and and Juwan Morgan as the backup." So, I mean, it's just. Gosh, I mean, that's it. As Andy was saying that, I was like, oh, man. Uh, anyway, if if I, I agree with Andy, I think the guard play has to be more consistent. I think I think Blackman and uh, and, and Johnson have to, you know, get their heads out of their behinds. Uh, and I think that Josh Newkirk's ascendancy has to continue. I look Josh Newkirk's the one guy who over the last couple of weeks has been really good uh, consistently. And, and he's been getting better, and he's really showing a lot of confidence. Something that a lot of guys aren't showing. Um, but also, I agree. I think I think Thomas Bryant has to essentially make himself a first team All Big Ten player, and 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 that means he's going to have to dominate over the next four games, over the next three weeks. Uh, he's just going to have to dominate. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no scenario I see with them making the NCAA tournament with Thomas Bryant averaging fewer than 15 points a game and fewer than seven rebounds or something like that. There's no scenario. I see that happening. He has got, if not more, I mean, you know, he may have to average a double double to get this team to the, to the NCAA tournament. That's where we're at. And, and, uh, so I think he and, and the guard play just needs to be more consistent. And Thomas Bryant needs to continue to dominate and dominate from the block. Yeah. And I would, the only thing that I would add to that is I think if that happens, the freshman guards who we didn't get to talk a ton about them today, but I, I think one of those guys is going to have to emerge in each game. You know, Curtis Jones is going to have to make some shots. Devontae Green is going to have to be a playmaker and get some assists. You know, I- Indiana can't just take empty minutes from those guys. They've got to be able to spell Josh Newkirk, Robert Johnson, James Blackman Jr. and provide some positive minutes. And, and I will say about Josh Newkirk, you know, he is he was a lightning rod for criticism early. You know, probably one of the best things that you can say about his play over the last few games is I haven't heard a lot about him, you know, from people on Twitter. Because I during games, I used to get so many angry tweets about why is he playing? Why is he holding, you know, handling the ball so much? And, you know, he's, I think, made 10 out of his last 17 threes, has been the one guy who's really pushed the pace uh, for Indiana. And sure, he's made a few bad decisions and a few bad plays here and there. Um, but he, you know, his ascendancy is a, is a great word for it, Ryan, because he's been much hey. better lately and it has to continue. And you know what? Good for Josh, man. He yeah, dealt with the agreed. criticism. These kids hear it. These kids hear it. They hear the booze. They hear that, you know, they're on Twitter. They hear all this stuff. And good for him to stick with it. And, and he's really become a reliable part. And let's not forget his defense. I mean, for the most part, he plays pretty good defense as well. So, um, you know, good for him to, to figure it out and stick with it. Yeah, and it may have just been a case of a guy, you know, still recovering from an injury, getting comfortable in a new system, getting comfortable with a new team, comfortable with a role. And so maybe we were a little bit unfair with our expectations, but I think everyone's expectations got, you know, crazy with the win over Kansas and the win over North Carolina. And at that point, then there was, it felt like there was so much more to lose because now, you know, you're walking a tighter tightrope, tightrope when you're a potential NCAA champion or Final Four team, as we all thought Indiana was at one time. Um, but it's been nice to see him bounce back, and that needs to continue if Indiana's going to salvage anything from this season. 
All righty. Well, on our last segment here, we will look ahead to Indiana's upcoming games against Michigan and Minnesota, and we will give you our bold predictions for the upcoming week in IU basketball. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And we are wrapping up here on this edition of Assembly Call Radio. Andy, we were talking during the break, and uh, and you uncovered a statistic about Michigan that should make IU fans feel somewhat optimistic about the Hoosiers' ability to reverse a 30-point drubbing at Michigan uh, and maybe uh, reverse that in a positive way at home. Yeah, one of the uh, black marks on their NCAA tournament resume is the fact that they've yet to win a road game. They're 0-6 in true road games. Uh, the only neutral court games they won were back in November. So uh, they've not played well, not fared well, uh, certainly away from home, which hopefully is a good sign, although they have a lot to play for in this as well. They're right there on the bubble uh, with IU, so it would be a big uh, opportunity for them to get a road win. But so far, 0-6, so hopefully it uh, becomes 0-7. And, you know, and Ryan, in terms of what Indiana needs to do differently against Michigan, obviously they've got to defend the three-point line better. And I think, again, if you're looking for positives from the Purdue game, one of Tom Crean's keys, in fact, his main defensive key heading into that game that he mentioned with Fish before the game was defending the three-point line because Purdue's such a good three-point shooting team. And for the most part, Indiana did that. And so if they can do that here against Michigan, that would seem to go a long way towards you know reversing that awful result from Ann Arbor. Yeah, no, that's where they got killed against Michigan in, in Ann Arbor was just the three-point line. I mean, you know, there were some – I mean, the whole defense was terrible, but that's where the, the, the lead really extended for Michigan was their ability to just knock down shots and, and Indiana's inability to recover to guys on the perimeter. So I, I really think that – yeah, it, that that's that's my key. I thought that was a key against Purdue. I said I thought three, the three-point line would decide the Purdue game. Clearly I was wrong um, because – I mean, you could say that Indiana's inability to hit from three is what killed them against Purdue, but I, I would I would be willing to take a take a hit on that because I thought that it was going to be whether or not Indiana could stop Purdue. Indiana did stop Purdue, and Purdue still won. So th- they're not going to have a chance against Michigan unless they shut down the shooters, and Michigan can get hot, as hot as anybody, as hot as some of those old IU teams we've seen, and just knock down shots and bury you early. So uh, it's going to be a huge key for them to to get in the face of those shooters and and not let them get clean looks. Andy, please make note of the timestamp when Ryan just said clearly I was wrong so that we can pull that out and use it in future episodes. It's <laughs> good. We'll just play that over him saying that he wasn't wrong about things in the future. And just to I mean, up. guys, it doesn't happen often, but... Uh, alrighty, so let's... See, they're uh, right there. That would have been a good chance to play it when he said it doesn't happen on <laughs> often, then you could just play it right after that. Exactly. Exactly. All right, guys, let's uh, let's hop into our bold predictions. As we looked to last week, Andy, you stuck with your man Robert Johnson, said he would score 20 points against Purdue. If he had, Indiana would have won. That bold prediction did not come true. Ryan, you said Thomas Bryant would have a double-double against Wisconsin. He played well in both games, but he did not have a double-double. I made the crazy, seemingly insane prediction that Indiana would keep it within six against Wisconsin. They kept it within five, so that gut feeling proved true. And I have now pulled... In one behind Andy, who is four and seven, I am three and eight. Ryan is uh, four and seven. Terrible two and nine with his bold predictions. Four so let's let, let's go to our let's go to our bold predictions uh, for this week. Andy, what do you have for us? Uh, well, I mean, what better time to get in on Robert Johnson and James Wyckoff Jr. when the uh, the stock could be couldn't be any lower? So coming off the game when they shot two of thirteen from three, and Robert Johnson three from three of seventeen from three in his last three games. 
I'm going to say that the two of them over the course of the week uh, of the two games combined to hit at least 13 three-pointers. Hit at least 13 three-pointers, okay. Between, between the two of them. They average about five a game on the year, so it's, a, it's even a stretch for if they, if they get back on track. Okay, that would obviously be huge news for Indiana. Uh, and, and here next, you know, with these next two bold predictions, you're really going to see the difference between me and between Ryan because I take bold predictions seriously. Ryan always tries to go for kind of the easy cop-out, but when you're in last place, that's understandable. Uh, Ryan, what's your bold prediction? Hey, you know what? I the, the Indiana lost by 30 at Michigan is going to be coming off a deflating loss to their rival. I say they beat Michigan. I think that's bold enough, man. Right now, given the way they played against Michigan the first time and given what they're coming off, the loss they're coming off of, possibly not having Deron Davis. Come on. That's a bold prediction. I'm sorry. Beating Michigan right now is bold. All right. So Indiana beats area a man, Area man predicts IU will beat team that is winless away from home. Great work. Yeah. And at home with a great home court advantage against a bubble team. That's uh, a, uh Yeah, that achievement. home court advantage didn't help much uh, Thursday night. So... Uh, okay, so Brian predicts Indiana will beat Michigan. I am going to face up against my phobia of the barn, just straight. I'm going to look it straight in the eyes. I'm saying Indiana wins at the barn. They go on the road. They get a big win. Hey, if Ryan's bold prediction comes true and my bold prediction comes true, they're halfway, Ryan, to what you said about winning two of their first four games. I say they go on the road and, and beat Minnesota. Um, you know, Minnesota, not a team that rebounds particularly well. They're not a great offensive team. If Indiana can go out there and shoot, if someone can play the role of Nick Zeisloft uh, and knock down some important shots for Indiana, I think they can go there and get a win. Uh, quick, quick reactions to that? Think they can do it, Ryan? Oh, yeah, I, I, I think they can. I think mine's bolder than yours. Um, that's that's but, a no, preposterous I, statement. There's nothing bolder <laughs> than saying Indiana will win a game in the barn. We all know how awful that place is. Um. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I think they can. I, I just, I'm not impressed with either Michigan or uh, Minnesota, but Michigan played so well against Indiana. I think it might be a matchup thing. That's why I think that's bold. So, uh, but yeah, I, watching them against other teams, I have not been impressed with either team. So I think Indiana should win these next two games. Will they? We'll see. We will see. It's huge. You know, obviously we said the Purdue game was a must win. Indiana dropped that game. So it makes the Michigan game even more of a must win as we continue to kind of stretch uh, the usefulness of that phrase. Um, But the Hoosiers have to go do it. If a turnaround is going to happen, it has to start at home against Michigan. Hopefully they can do it. Uh, And that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com after both the IU Michigan and IU Minnesota games for our postgame show. Or you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Our thanks to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off. And thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Mexico is more than a country. It's a feeling. Wherever you feel Mexican, there is Mexico. Let's celebrate it. Tecate. Mexico is in us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 